Time to unveil my college football season win total best bets for 2022. And what do I think about Michigan's win total of nine and a half? We'll get to that and more on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast next. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. <laughs> Brady gets terrific. Throws it and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Colazar at the five. Five seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schembechler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Folks, we are just about 80 days away from the start of the 2022 college football season. Season win totals are out for all of the major conference teams. And so it is time now for me to go on the record. Now, if you are not yet a Patreon supporter to our page, this is a reason why you want to be. Because you got these picks like two weeks ago before any of the numbers may have moved. Uh, So you got a chance to jump on these numbers before the market did. But the rest of you now, since you decided to, hey, we're going to freeloader here and just watch for free. Cool. A couple of these numbers may have moved, but... Let me go ahead and lay out for you what my college football season win total best bets are, at least so far. I may have a couple more uh, when we get closer to kickoff, but five for now. Let's begin with Arizona State under six. I have Arizona State, the second least talented roster in the Power Five behind only Kansas, guys. Now, I'm not saying that Arizona State and Kansas are similarly good. What I mean by that, I'm, I'm, Arizona State's starters would still be better than Kansas's, but I'm talking, man, 1 through 85. In terms of depth, Arizona State has the second lowest co- talent depth score in my team total talent ratings in the country. Only Kansas is worse. 
Okay, and you never want to be next to Kansas in anything in football these days. Uh, revolving door in the transfer portal, the turmoil with NCAA investigations and the coaching staff. Uh, the head coach is dead man walking, obviously. Another difficult schedule. They're in the harder division in the Pac-12 South. To me, the best that they would do is 6-6. Six and six. And I love it when I'm making a futures bet, and, I think I, and I'm pretty confident that the worst I'm going to do is push. So Arizona State, the Sun Devils, under 6 is my first of five season win total best bets. Number two on this list is I like Jeff Halfley to bounce back here with Boston College and go over the win total at six. I'm a little concerned about how few starts teams return in the offensive line. That is typically a metric that I like and rely on quite a, quite a bit. But I like everything else about this team, including the NFL prospect that it has at quarterback. I also think this number six is a little low because they were a disappointment last season. And so the market is kind of overreacting. I think if they had been uh, about what we expected them to be last year, this number might be seven or seven and a half. Very friendly schedule as well. I look for Boston College to bounce back strong and beat the season win total of six. And this is another number where I think the worst I'm going to do here is a push. My third season win total best bet for 2022, let's come home to the Big Ten. Let's go to Indiana over three and a half. I'm just betting the number here. And I think this number is a way overreaction to last year. I mean, Indiana won, won what, three games last year and literally everything went wrong. I mean, literally everything went wrong. Started on the road in a conference game that was a disaster. They were down to walk-on quarterbacks by the time we played them in November or freshmen uh, that hadn't played any, any meaningful football yet. Just last year just could not have gone any worse. I think the truth of Indiana's program where last year their win total was eight after the big COVID year, that was obviously exaggerated. I still think Tom Allen's a decent coach. I love Connor Basilic, the transfer from Missouri. I think that's a court I think that's a quarterback upgrade for them. Doesn't have the ceiling of a Michael Penix, but hey, the best ability is availability. I think he's got a higher floor. I like Indiana. There's at least two wins there in the non-conference. I wouldn't be shocked if they won at Cincinnati as well. Bearcats lost a lot from last year's team. And remember, Indiana almost beat them last year. So I'm gonna go Indiana over the three and a half, even if they lose to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I just need them to go two and seven in the Big Ten in order to get me there. Pick number four for my season win total best bets for 2022. I'm going to go Pittsburgh under the eight and a half. I think it's only three times this century that Pitt has won at least nine games or more. I'm not a big Keaton Slovis guy because I think I learned the hard way like a lot of us did last year. With a few exceptions, take all the data from the COVID year and just throw it out. And that was when Keaton Slovis looked really good. He lost his starting job to Jackson Dart last year, who also ended up transferring to Ole Miss. Uh, You lose Jordan Addison through the transfer portal. Tougher schedule too. Not one, but two tough Power 5 non-conference games. The backyard brawl with West Virginia renewed. You've got JT Daniels there now at quarterback for West Virginia. And you know Tennessee wants revenge for the game that they lost last year. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh under the eight and a half as the fourth of my five season win total best bets so far for 2022, which brings me to my final selection. I'm going to go Stanford over the four and a half. My numbers have Stanford as the second overall deepest team roster wise in the Pac-12. They do bring back a lot more than they have 
the last couple of years. And they also bring back potentially a first-round quarterback in Tanner McKee, who made big strides last year coming off a mission and is expected to make even bigger ones this year. He was a former big-time recruit. I like Stanford to at least get to bowl eligibility and breeze through this four-and-a-half number. So those are my five season win total best bets for so far this year. And if you're wondering, I've been doing these here on the broadcast since 2017, and they are 22, 12, and 1 so far. That's 22, 12, and 1, which is right around 62%. Now, what about Michigan? After all, this is obviously Michigan podcast. So last year, one of the win total best bets that I lost was Michigan under 7.5. I thought there was no way Michigan could get to 8-4 and four last year. And they didn't. Uh, they they got to 12 and 1. So um, uh, this year, the win total is 9.5. I'm not going to play Michigan this year, even though my numbers love Michigan. They love Michigan. Um, but they were way wrong on Michigan last year. Um, and the half is what scares me off. If it was, if it was over 9, Michigan is one, would have been one of my win total best bets. Because I'd be in another situation where I would guess the worst I would do is a push. The absolute worst I think this team does with the schedule that the Wolverines are playing this fall is nine wins. But the half is going to scare me off as well as the fact I got burned by my favorite team last year. But if you forced me to bet it, I would bet over the nine and a half with Michigan with confidence. If you look at Michigan's schedule... Except for a couple of spots. I don't like where the Iowa game is. Michigan starts with four games. It should win fairly convincingly. And then suddenly has to go on the road at Iowa, which has been a difficult place for the Wolverines to play going back to the 1980s. Um, But if you look at the other games, Penn State at home, Michigan State at home. Uh, The other, I guess we'll say tough non-crossover game, Nebraska at home. Uh, I, I mean, this schedule... If I didn't know any better, the Big Ten set this thing up so that Michigan and Ohio State are at a minimum each 10-1 and heading into the game at the end of the year. So if I had to bet it, I won't be because I got burned by Michigan last year, but if I had to bet it, it would be over the 9.5 with confidence for the Wolverines. Let's find out what the voice of college football and our favorite bucknut Mark Rogers thinks about these picks and more next. Time now for the 10-minute war. We bring in perhaps the one and only, somewhat, anyway, reasonable, Bucknut, our good friend Mark Rogers. Check out his channel here on YouTube, The Voice of College Football. And again, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, this is now, I mean, really you want to be watching this all year round, but now, especially right now, is when you can get ahead of these win total futures markets, make some money, maybe cash a couple of big tickets like I did last year when I had Michigan 10-1 to to win the Big Ten, Utah 15-1 to to win the Pac-12. And my family was very thankful when they got to go to Universal Studios on those uh, two tickets uh, back in February. So Mark talks to stringers and correspondents covering teams all over the country that gives you a lot of up-to-date news on these teams to try to get ahead of these markets. And of course, Mark, welcome back to the show. And this week we're talking about my win total best bets, which going back to 2017 when I started doing these here on the program, they're 22, 12, and 1. And that's after last year when I had a losing record. I only went 4 and 5 last year. So, I mean, I was hitting like 70% until last year. Actually, college football last year for me overall was not good. I learned the hard way not to count any data from the COVID year 
in analyzing or assessing teams whatsoever. About the only two things I did get right were Michigan and Utah uh, to win those conferences. So overall, your thoughts on the win total picks. We can go through these one by one, or you can kind of give me your take on them in total. What do you think? Folks, this is Steve having a bad year, a down year for him, as we've got about 15 uh, different contributors that we asked last season to give us a 12-pack of picks that we selected. I selected each and every week. So 12-pack of picks against the spread and straight up against the money line. And Steve led almost the entire way. I think I caught you and nipped you at the end. I'd have to rerun the numbers and look at them. I thought I caught you at the end, Steve, and may have had a better record uh, both against the spread and straight up, but uh, I would not bank on that happening again. So Steve in a down year was better than the field, like 20 other contributors <laughs> that know college football. That's a down year for Steve, and you just heard 22 and 12. So I took a shot at the over-unders, as Steve so graciously asked me on last year. I just checked that out because then I asked Steve on after I went through our exercise here and then I tried to do my over-unders. I brought Steve on and I went five and two in my, and that's the first time I've ever kept track of that, ever selected over-under. So I went five and two. So I'll take that from last year, but 22 and 12 over the course of 34 opportunities, that is pretty stellar, even coming off a down year. Uh, so I love the pit selection at eight and a half. Uh, they've got two pretty difficult non-conference games, even mm -hmm. though they're at home against West Virginia and Tennessee right out of the gate. And then even going to West for Western Michigan in week three, they lost to uh, Western Michigan last year. So I think Pitt's a really good selection without Kenny Pickett, of course, and Jordan Addison at quarterback. So I love, love, love that selection right there with Pitt. Indiana, so... You know, Steve, that we are overreactors in sports to what we just saw last, whether that was last week or last season. Mm -hmm. So people think Indiana is a mess. They're garbage. Yes, some of that's true, but they come in with a pretty decent quarterback who should stay healthy in Connor Baslick, as opposed to Michael Penix, who is a higher ceiling and upside. Uh, I, I do like the Indiana selection to a certain extent. Uh, they do have a trip to Cincinnati, so the non-conference isn't necessarily just going to be 3-0 and and we get to Big Ten play, and Western Kentucky pushed them as well last year. Um, the, the Stanford one was the one that uh, tripped me up last year. We discussed that at length because it just seemed like, as you mentioned, when Vegas seems to be handing you a give-me lookout, and Stanford and David Shaw couldn't get to four wins last year and break that three and a half. So you love the over, and I know you're high on Stanford at least being competent mm -hmm. uh, this season. But, uh, yeah, the, the pit is the one that I would just take off on for sure. So, Mark, going back to Pitt, it goes. It also goes back to what I just said a few minutes ago that I, I learned the hard way last year not to put any stock at all. And really, outside of Alabama, Ohio State, and you know the, and Clemson, you know the, the four teams that made the playoffs, Notre Dame. For everybody else, don't put any stock at all in the data that came out of the COVID year. Just outliers galore. Well, that was Keaton Slovis's big year. Remember, all right? He was one of the highest-rated passers in the country for USC. Limited number of games because the Pac-12 had such a shortened schedule. But I mean, outside of what he did those COVID games. What's his career been like? It looks like they're going to hand him the starting job. There's no Jordan Addison. I think Pitt has had, what, two or three seasons with nine wins uh, or more this century? 
And now they've got a win total of eight and a half. And you mentioned the non-conference games they have to play. You don't think Tennessee has that game circled? Because, I mean, that was the game where they made the switch at quarterback. Milton got hurt. They brought in Hendon Hooker. And then they never looked back the rest of the year after that. They had, they had statistically the best offense in the Southeastern Conference after they made that move. So you know Tennessee's going to have that game circled. It's not like Pitt has this incredible home field advantage. And even though I love the fact they went back to the Tony Dorsett, that's how they used to pronounce his name back in those days, the Tony on on TV, Tony Dorsett to Era Unis, which is long overdue. I, to me, I, I just, I had to just take that on principle, given what they lost in the season that they had last year. The other thing to take into consideration, and I know you do, Steve, is the money management aspect of it. And it's not so. So we are not selecting games against the spread where Vegas has its opportunity to to just go to the exact spot in which they have figured and the public has determined that that point spread should be and the money's pretty much even on both sides at minus 110 and if you're familiar you see minus 110 and you know that you've got to lay down $110 risk that to gain $100 net if you win uh, the bet where if you look at these over-under plays, because Vegas, you know, there's a big gap between going from eight and a half to nine, mm-hmm. for example, that there's a, a huge odds discrepancy because I gravitated immediately to, even though like you, I think I, I like to look at those mid-level teams and those 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 high-ranking teams at 10 and a half and 11 win totals. Well, that's kind of out of sight, and you usually find your value in the middle. I looked at Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia at 10 and a half, all three at 10 and a half, and thought, what are the odds that two out of three of them reach that 11 win total? I think it's pretty high that two out of three are going to get to 11 and one. However, Vegas really loaded up on the odds here. Bama's at minus 190. Georgia and Ohio State at minus 205. So even if you win two out of those three, you only get your money back. Hmm. So so that's difficult there. What's, what's, had, the, what's the juice on something. Ohio State under 10 and a half? What's the juice on that? I don't have it in front of because me. Because I might, I might look at that. Just not, not because I think they're going to lose twice. But last year, last year, if you would have told me Hey, if I was going to bet any favorites, gun to your head, you got to put, you know, your savings account on it. I'd have picked Clemson and Ohio State over 10 and a half. But there was no way those teams were losing twice. I'd have lost them both, actually. I'd have lost them both. They both they, they both lost two games. I mean, in Clemson's case, they lost three. So, it, you know, I look at Ohio State now. I think they have a. I think they have a tougher schedule than they had last year. I think. I think you guys are going to destroy Notre Dame the week week one. I mean, I, I watch their spring game very closely, and and I think people think you can't take anything from spring games. They make two mistakes watching spring games: a, make way too much out of it, or b, I can't take anything from it. Neither one of those things are true. You're 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 watching these t- these players compete on some level, and it's the only look at watching them compete that you will get from the nine months from the last time they played in the postseason to when they play the next year because we don't get preseason games. So there are things if you know what to look for, you can look for. And what I saw, beautiful weather day. I saw a team that lacked weapons that stretched the field. I saw a team that lacked a quarterback that you could kind of you know make it a quarterback centric offense and. And and it's the first game as well for a rookie head coach. I mean, I, I think Ohio State's going to pound them. But if you look at Ohio State's conference schedule, it's not easy. 
I mean, I mean, you know, at Penn State's never easy, for example. They have consistently played Ohio State as tough maybe or tougher than anybody in the league. Wisconsin comes back on the schedule at Michigan State, and then the game against Michigan at the end of the year. I mean, I don't know. I, I've, if, if I'd actually, if, if, if you're telling me it's minus 200 on the over, so is it plus 180, plus 190 on the under? I, I, what was that, Aaron? Plus 165 on the under. I, that might not be enough to get me to do it. All right. If it was plus 175, plus 180 or higher, I think I'd go ahead and put 50 bucks down on Ohio State under. Not because I think they'll lose twice, but just because I just watched them lose twice last year with one on paper, frankly, I think is a better football team than this one. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that juice is kind of outrageous. Like there's no way at all that they are going to lose. They lost two games last year. I don't. I don't. I, I, I've been watching these, listening to these analysts, and and, and I'm like, did you, did we not watch last year? They lost two games last season. Like this is just completely impervious. I've been, I've been. I don't know what you think as an Ohio State fan, but like me, you're pretty good at setting aside your bias as a fan to analyze situations because you like making money and being right. Like me, I just don't know why it's so far fetched that they will that they could lose two games again. I don't think that's far-fetched at all. I think they have one of the three best teams in the country, but I am so certain that Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in the country uh, that especially in week one, unlike you, I think that that Notre Dame game is a danger point Hmm, with a new defense under Jim Knowles. They're not going to have a game to warm up that defense. And regardless of how good he is, it took him a couple of years to get Oklahoma State where they finally Mm -hmm. got. It wasn't like he stepped in the door. And I know Ohio State has better athletes, but he didn't step in the door. He's got this great reputation coming from Oklahoma State, but they they actually got worse his first year or two before they got better. And uh, again, I just think with with no game time preparation, no preseason games to to get set with a new defense that uh, has to be so much better than what we saw against Michigan, Utah and Oregon last year. That could be a rough game for the Buckeyes. Indiana, to me, I, I just looked at that number the way I looked at Illinois last year when I when that was one of the best bets that I did win. I had Illinois over three. I mean, I just, I, I you know, there's been a couple times in these last few years that Maryland's win total has been like three and a half or four, and I didn't think they were going to be great, but I just thought that's just ridiculous because, you know, they schedule a couple of automatic wins in the non-conference. Can they go two and seven in the league? Yeah. I think Indiana can go two and seven in the league. I mean, how could Indiana possibly be worse than they were last year, possibly have as many chemistry and injury issues. I mean, they're playing walk-on quarterbacks. I mean, they still won, you know, a game or two in the league last year. Uh, they almost beat Cincinnati last year. They'll have the better quarterback on the field when they play Cincinnati this year. I I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Cincinnati, actually. And Cincinnati lost a friggin' ton. We just saw that in the NFL draft. You know, it's not like they're a, a reload program. At least they might be at the American conference level, but certainly not against a Big Ten team. So, again, I I, I'm looking at numbers more than teams. You, not, I don't. I don't discount teams. I'm not just a strictly numbers guy, but uh, numbers come before teams. And so that one, th- I, that number got my attention. And then I looked at the team, and then I looked at the schedule. I got two automatic wins in the non-conference. Can they win two out of the other ten games, even in the uh, in the in the the slog that is the Big Ten East? Yeah, I kind of think they can. And 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 I also like win total bets. Where now the half game on there doesn't doesn't count, but it counts here for Arizona State. I like it when the best case scenario that I can reasonably come up with is that I'm going to push. Like I don't think there's any way Arizona State wins seven games. Like anyway, 
I mean, the best reasonable case scenario, I think, is that they get to six wins. So if, if the best reasonable scenario that I can paint for a team with the data that I have is that we'll push, I think that's a pretty good bet. That's why that's one of the reasons why I'm on Arizona State under the six with all the turmoil on that coaching staff and, and the revolving door and the transfer portal on that roster. They've got a, a one they've got a tough non-conference game. They're in the tougher of the two divisions in the Pac twelve as well. Yeah, I generally agree. I agree if if I had gunned ahead and I had to make a selection on all of your picks, I would go in the same direction you would with all of them after reviewing the schedules. I'm just really high on Pitt. And then I came up with about another seven to eight plays that I've got to consider before I'm going to put my uh, content out there with my selection. All right, lay, it, but, lay a few of those on us. Let me know what, because okay. I'll, I'll let you know what I think. For it, for a second consecutive year, and again, I just said uh, that last night I went back and looked at our video that was posted by, on my channel from last year, and I was high on Kentucky last year. I was selling them six and a half. They, they're they winning eight, nine games. Mm-hmm. Of course, they went nine and three. I'm high on Kentucky, even though it's been raised to seven and a half. You had mentioned to me last year that your metrics said, yeah, I jump on Kentucky, but I'm pulling back with an unproven quarterback. Well, they've got a proven quarterback now. It's the same guy, Mm -hmm. but Will Levis has shown to be a good quarterback. They don't play anybody out of conference. They should go 4-0. They got Louisville, but they should go 4-0 outside the conference, and the the number's only 7.5. That's a good one. That is a good one. Here's why I, I looked at Kentucky, too. The reason why I think my numbers show Louisville will be better than it was last year. So I don't think that's a 75, 80% win proposition. I think you're also looking at it overall an improved SEC East. I think right now there's only one game I can right now say in the SEC East for sure Kentucky will be favored in, and that's Vanderbilt. Um, I, the rest of that, in fact, I think Vanderbilt's actually really improved. Uh, their roster, according to my numbers, is just they're probably another year away from that actually mattering because they were in a crater situation. But you look at where Tennessee is at. You look at where people forget South Carolina won seven games last year. There's not a lot of auto wins in that division. And so if Louisville's a little bit better, and then you know if, if, I know you watch the games a lot too. Wandale Robinson was so key to them last year. He basically was the receiving threat. And you saw that in the bowl game against Iowa. He basically won that game like single-handedly. Where's the replacement for him? I kind of wonder about that a little bit, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't, I don't hate that pick at all. All right. I'll just run down the other ones, but I'll highlight one that I really like, and I don't want to be duped in by another Stanford for this year, but <laughs> West Virginia has gone from a bottom two or three quarterback room in the Big 12 to a top two or three quarterback room in the Big 12, as long as JT Daniels can stay upright. Now, he's been. Now, that's one of the. This is a a correlated parlay here, Mark, because that's one of the non conference games that Pitt has to play that we are looking at their schedule thinking that's a lot tougher schedule than they played last year, right? Is against JT Daniels and West Virginia. So there's a correlation here. If you're under on Pitt eight and a half, then you might be over on on, on West Virginia, right? West Virginia at five and a half. They won six games last year and they upgraded the position uh, markedly from last season. Uh, so I like uh, West Virginia at plus five and a half. So my rundown real quick would be Kentucky seven and a half over Nebraska seven and a half under hmm. West Virginia five and a half over hmm. Virginia seven and a half under USC nine and a half under UCLA eight and a half under Texas eight like you. I don't mind the push here. Of course, them getting to nine and three with Oklahoma and Alabama on their schedule. 
Texas eight under, Notre Dame eight and a half over. I like most of those. Um, I'm leery on Texas, man, because my numbers like them a lot. Mm. Okay. And, and uh, you know, if you remember listening to the old Phil Steele podcast he used to do, right? And he would tell you what his computer thinks. Then, he, But I'm going to overrule my computer. Right? <laughs> I'm going to go with what my eyes see. My numbers like Texas a lot. All right. I mean, like I ran them several times. I'm like, please give me not not again. OK, I mean, I, I ran those things through the back computer a few times and it punched out the same damn ticket. My numbers like Texas a lot. And this time of year, Vegas is running a lot of those out their own algorithms. And that's why their win total is high on top of their name ID. But but I mean, Bijan Robinson, Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy. Dude, that is as good of a set sure. of triplets that exist in America, probably, okay? And they're in a league that plays no defense at all, none. Iowa State was one of only three teams in the country last year that was top 20 DVOA on offense and defense, all right? They went seven and six, okay? I mean, they're in a league that plays no defense at all. My numbers like them actually a lot. And so that's why I'm completely and totally scared off on Texas. I get it, but Alabama's on the schedule, and I just uh, I don't have no faith in Sark. And again, folks, if you're going to go with anybody here, you go with Steve on these over-unders for sure. You go with him on the games week to week as well, but go with him definitely in the over-unders. I'm just a novice at this, and I'm just shooting darks uh, in the dark. Nobody knows the basically. trouble Mark seen. Yeah. <laughs> Mark's got an insane ATS record, by the way. I've shared that with a few people around the country. I know to keep an eye on that. So, but you're right. the The futures markets does does tend to be kind of my thing. USC, my numbers love them too. Okay, um, and again, who in their league is really good? Who is it? Oh, nobody's elite. Nobody's yeah, elite I, in the league. I they agree. Take a trip to Utah. They've got Notre Dame. That's at home at the end of the season, and they they should have a well-oiled machine at that point. Uh, so they're going to be a different team, hopefully for the better for them uh, at the end of the season. And other than that, it's more about, okay, they have to lose those two and they get tripped up against Oregon State and Corvallis, something like that. See, I don't like the Freeman hire at Notre Dame. I really don't. It it strikes me as, as a little Bobby Williams-ish. If you remember that at Michigan State, okay, oh, I sure do. Yeah, it just it strikes me as the guy that. Tell me how often the guy that the players, the assistant, the players demand gets made the head coach. Tell me how often that yeah. one works out, brother. All right, you've been at this every bit as long as I have, if not longer. You are every bit the nerd I am on this when it comes to trivia and details, if not more so than me. Tell me when that ha- that really works, because I can't really think of an example. The Notre Dame people that I go to, the media guys that are fairly unbiased, fairly unbiased, they love Marcus Freeman. They go on and on about him. But, you know, it's not all about how you look good in the gear on the sideline and you speak the lingo and you're cool and you're the you're the hot commodity. Right. I'm like, Brian Kelly's a proven commodity. I, it's not that I hate the hire. It's just that I'm not sold on it. He hasn't proven anything. I agree. 
You know, I, I follow Brian Kelly's career very closely because it started 10 minutes from where I grew up at Grand Valley State. He nearly got the – in fact, we talked to him the night before the hire was made. He, When I was publishing the Iowa State fan publication, he thought he got that job. He was going to go from Central Michigan to Iowa State, and the Cyclones ended up hiring Gene Chizik and shocking everybody instead. So, uh, And then, of course, it, with between Michigan and Notre Dame, that rivalry, I'm very familiar with Brian Kelly's career. The dude is not very likable, okay, but he's a freaking grinder. They could not have hired anybody more opposite of Brian Kelly. I mean, there there is a certain Charlie Weiss, you know, uh, new hotness ring to that. And if you look at, you know, some of the great coaches in Notre Dame history, they weren't that. I mean, Lou Holtz was kind of considered a little washed up. He came from Minnesota, people forget. Um, you look at uh, Eric Parsegan came from Northwestern. Brian Kelly came from Cincinnati. And and none of these and and he he was kind of hotness because they had just gone undefeated, but you can't deny that Brian Kelly took the dirt road, uh, you know, from Grand Valley State to Central Michigan to Cincinnati to get to where he's at. Just this guy two years ago was a rookie coordinator at Cincinnati, man. Okay, and now he's the head coach at Notre Dame. I don't know. It just it just feels a little Bobby Williams ish to me. Well, I'm going to elevate him beyond Bobby Williams, but I, I get your point, and I have made that same argument to a number of people that, again, it's not that I don't think he's going to work himself into being a really good head coach at some point, but he has yet to prove anything, of course, uh, as a head coach. And the only thing that uh, makes me a little more optimistic are the recent examples of guys like Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley and Dabo Sweeney taking over for the first time as head coaches as only coordinators and position coaches never having been that guy and taking over monumental programs and succeeding. All right, real quick, we'll let you go. I also laid out, it's not one of my best bets. Last year, Michigan under the win total was one of my best bets that I lost. Okay, so I'm laying off this year, although you were right. You were more optimistic on Michigan than me, which didn't take much. Uh, my numbers really like Michigan, actually, too. Okay, so but but after the way I got burned on my home team uh, last year, I, I'm just staying away. But if I had to bet it, I would bet over the nine and a half with confidence. I, I think there's only one game I can say right now that I think Michigan will be an underdog in, and I think that's only because the game will be on the road in Columbus. I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan was at 11-0, and minimum 10-1 and heading into that game. Uh, I think the worst Michigan will do this year is 9-3. and So I would bet the over on the 9.5 with confidence if I had not gotten so burned by Michigan last year. But what are your thoughts? And we'll close with this. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Michigan in terms of it, it, it's more about schedule than it is about them being an elite team. I think they're a really good team. I think they're a top 10 team in the country. I don't think that they're elite. I know we have our disagreement on lost talent and what that means uh, for Michigan in 2022. But trip to Iowa, I still think that they're substantially better than the Hawkeyes. But, of course, that's a tricky situation. Sure. We know that they've got the three gimmies non-conference, unlike typically having a one difficult non-conference game. No Wisconsin, nobody else in the West, although Nebraska could be a tricky game, but it's at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I go over for sure on Michigan, but it's not going to be a selection of mine, but I would go over. If it was nine, I think it probably would have been a best bet. 
because then I'd be assured, you know, that the worst I thought I would do was a nine and three push. But the half is the final deciding factor that scared me off there. Always good to talk to you, Mark. Appreciate it as always, brother. All right, take care. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you, are you taking the over or the under on Michigan's season win total? 69%. Nice. Chose to go over the nine and a half on Michigan's win total. The 30% of our audience that are Buckeye fans, they went under. I'm kidding. Maybe a few Michigan fans went under, but not many. And that takes us to this week's feedback of the week from Andrew Burris, who says anything less than 10-2 and two and New Year's Six Bowl is a complete failure for Michigan football this year. So I am taking the over, and I agree. I mean, barring uh, just ravaging injuries at the quarterback position like what we saw in 2017, barring that, anything less than 10-2 and two for this team. Remember, the reason that Harbaugh and the assistants were given the two-year extension by Ward and not fired in 2020 is because this is the team that they actually expected to be the one that would challenge for the Big Ten. Last year was expected to kind of be a ramp up. Maybe could get to seven, eight, nine wins. And that this would be the team that would challenge for the championship. This roster is loaded. I mean, Michigan is three deep at more positions than I can remember, at least since Lloyd Carr retired. And we're going back now 16 years. So um, I, I agree. Uh, to me, 10-2 and two and New Year's Six Bowl is the minimum threshold achievement uh, expectation for this football team, barring a, a myriad of Indiana-like injuries from last year at the quarterback position. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Please help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. Like, rate, share, subscribe, five-star review, whether it's right here on YouTube or you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. Uh, Hit subscribe and follow as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Keep up to date on what we think all things maize and blue in between episodes. Until the next episode of Michigan Podcast, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.